We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is education again. I'm going to use an article out of the Washington Times by Gerard Laval. This is an article that's titled, The Indoctrination of the Young. And I'm going to argue that if you don't catechize your kids, someone else will. The vacuum is never left empty. Education matters. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. The topic, again, is one of my favorite go-tos, and that is education. And it's so critical. I can't help but go back to it time and time again, because ideas matter. Ideas have consequences. A vacuum is always filled. These are concepts that we've discussed time and time again here on this show. I've said before, I'm not a physicist, but the one thing I know about physics is a vacuum is always filled. It can't help but be filled. It always draws something into the void. That's the nature of a vacuum. That's why a vacuum cleaner works. When you turn it on, the void is filled. It sucks things into the vacuum. And that's what's happening in our culture right now. We pretended throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s that value neutrality would work. It won't work. You can't have a value-neutral culture because that implies that the vacuum will always be void and that it won't draw anything else into it. Value neutrality is a ruse. Radical relativism can't sustain itself. Nothing from nothing is nothing. If you're going to have something, okay, this is my quote from the 1960s song again by Billy Preston. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. you got to have something if you want to be with me. The point here that I'm making is that nothing never sustains itself. You will always draw something else into the void that you have created through your quote-unquote value neutrality. And if you don't have positive things in your soul, in your mind, in your culture, and if we don't catechize our kids, teach our kids the virtues that are important in life, then what will fill that vacuum that's left as the result of not having those virtues there? That that vacuum will be filled with vice. It's exactly what's happening right now with our kids and our culture, in our churches, in our communities, in our schools. And this article by Gerard Laval is an excellent, excellent article. After we take a break, I'm going to read it to you. It's relatively short. I think it's 700, 800 words. I'm going to read it to you. And while I do, I want you to be thinking of the, this question. Are we a religious, I'm using that word intentionally, a religious culture, a religious country, or are we not? Is it even possible to have a non-religious culture, community, or country? Or is it a lie to pretend that we can have that? If you expunge one religion from your culture, is it inevitable that another will fill the void? Be thinking of this question as we review this excellent article by Gerard Laval titled, The Indoctrination of the Young. 
I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Uh, Before we get into the rest of the show, remember that if you would like to access any of the back issues of The Rebellion, those that are are archived on my website, go to dreverettpiper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. On that website, you'll find a menu tab at the top. If you click on that, it opens up various different options. One of them is how do you schedule me to speak at your church or your political event or any other event for that matter. You can contact me there for that purpose. You can also email me with questions with regard to any of the broadcasts or any of the writing that I do for the Washington Times. Uh, You get a list of my books, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth is my bestseller, and then Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good is the sequel to that. You know all that if you listen to the show on a routine basis. Sorry for a little bit of that housekeeping there. Okay, back to today's topic. Education. Does it matter? Should you care? Um, Obviously, you hear me talk about this all the time, but I stumbled on this article this week, and I just have to share it with you. Gerard Laval, writing for the Washington Times. Also, you know, full disclosure, I I write for the Washington Times, too. I encourage you to subscribe. Uh, You get, uh, what do you get, 15 free views, I think, and then you hit their paywall. Uh, It's not that expensive to be a subscriber to the Washington Times. It's an excellent source of conservative news out of Washington, D.C. for the nation. The opinion pieces in and of themselves, I would argue, is worth your time and money. Uh, This one, Gerard Laval. Who is he? Gerard Laval is a partner in a Washington office of a national law firm. And he's got a book out there that's called Lobbying for Equality. And uh, the subtitle of that is Jacques Godard and the Struggle for Jewish Civil Rights During the French Revolution. So Gerard Laval is an expert on the French Revolution, which is very important here because we've talked about this before. What's the difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution? The American Revolution was focused on God. Okay, We are endowed by our Creator with inalienable rights. There are self-evident truths that come from that creator. We don't make it up as we go. We actually worship a God 
that's bigger and better than what we see in the mirror, and that God has revealed to us in Scripture. I've told you before that the book of Deuteronomy is quoted more times by our founding fathers than all of the other classical authors combined. Montesquieu, Locke, Hobbes, Hume, etc. If you add all of those references to those authors that were um, uh, given by our founding fathers in their various different writings in the founding era of our country, they don't add up in total to the number of times that the founding fathers cited the Bible, more specifically Deuteronomy. In fact, uh, there is uh, one argument out there that Moses is actually America's prophet because he's quoted so often in the founding era of our country. So my point is this. There's a difference between the French Revolution and the American Revolution. The American Revolution was grounded in Moses, the Bible, Deuteronomy, and the French Revolution was grounded in Diderot and Robespierre. Uh, and this seminal quote that you've heard that... Uh, Man will not be free until the last king is strangled by the entrails of the last priest. I'm paraphrasing that a bit, but I'm pretty close to that accurate quote. In other words, we need to kill the monarchy, um, and we need to kill the church. And we will not have freedom, liberty, until we do that. Well, what's going to fill the vacuum? If you kill the church... What's going to fill the vacuum? And that's the point of this show today. And it's ultimately the point, I think, that uh, Gerard Laval is making in this article. So let's go to it here for the rest of the show. The Indoctrination of the Young, subtitled, Proselytizing Gender Fluid Ideology. Now, don't panic on me. Yes, this does deal with that particular aspect of what's going on in our culture today. But it's not necessarily specific focused on the gender fluid nonsense that your kids are being taught in schools and in our culture. Yes, they are, and that's what Gerard Laval's concern is with this article, but you can apply the same article, the same questions, the same thing could be said of the broader religion that is pervasive in our culture today, the woke religion. Okay, We've said that we're not going to be biblical Christians any longer, and we think that we can just uh, be a pluralistic society. You're not going to be. That pluralism will never sustain itself. There is going to be a new religion that comes in and trumps everybody else's views and cancels everybody that disagrees with that religion. And right now you see that in spades. If you disagree with climate change, for example, you're canceled. If you disagree with the narrative on COVID, you're canceled. If you disagree on the narrative with regard to transitioning from uh, fossil fuels to electricity. And you ask the logical question, well, where does the electricity come from? It's generated by what? Fossil fuels right now, because you all aren't in favor of nuclear energy. You're not in favor of hydro, because you're trying to demolish dams across the western United States because they've compromised the environment. So where are you going to get your energy? Oh, you're going to get them from windmills. Well, how do you produce the windmills? How do you make them? They're made through the use of carbon fuels in the manufacturing process to get the windmills themselves to produce that power. So if you ask these logical questions, what happens in our, in our day? You're canceled. You're canceled for doing that. If you ask questions about, wait a second, I thought you guys said 
that LGBTQIA means that you're born that way. And now you're saying that sexuality is fluid. You can make different decisions on a different day as to what kind of sex that you're going to define yourself by. Well, that's not being born that way. That's making a choice on a minute-by-minute basis to define yourself as something different than you were yesterday. Okay, you, you point out these logical fallacies in these various different worldviews, whether they be COVID, whether they be climate change, whether they be LGBTQIA, whether they be trans, whether they be whatever, and you're canceled. And when you say something like, well, wait a second, how is it that you're extolling the virtues of tolerance when you can't tolerate those people that you find intolerable? Or I thought you people were all against hate, but then you turn around and you say you hate those hateful people. When you point out their duplicity and that they're sawing off the branch upon which they sit, they get angry, and they, they cancel you. Um, and I want you to remember this. Science ceases to be science when dissent is silenced. I'm going to say it one more time. Science stops being science when dissent is silenced. This movement to just cancel everybody that disagrees is not science. In fact, it's the antithesis of science. It's the opposite of science. Science is asking questions. Science is pursuing the truth. Science recognizes that there is order out there and we can find the answer to things if we keep going down the path of logic, of research, of empirical analysis. And we can discard the things that are proven to be false and keep retaining the things that are proven to be true. And over time, we construct a better view of reality as the result of asking questions, getting rid of the lies, the, the mistakes, the fallacies, getting rid of the things that aren't true and right and real, and continuing to elevate and embrace those things that have been proven, proven, excuse me, over the course of time through empirical analysis to work. That's science. Well, you don't get there if you tell everybody to shut up that has a question about something. Okay? And that's what's going on right now in cancel culture. All right. So with that as my little uh, rant, before we get into this article, let's jump into it right now. All right, this is what he says. Again, the, the Gerard Laval, that's L-E-V-A-L. Uh, the, the article is titled, The Indoctrination of the Young, Proselytizing Gender Fluid Ideology. Gerard says this, There is a maximum among Catholics sometimes ascribed to Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuit order, that if you turn a child over to the Catholic Church for the first seven years of the child's life, that the child is a Catholic for life. Even without engaging in an extensive analysis, there appears to be a certain amount of truth to this maximum. Excuse me, to this maxim. Very true, by the way. Children are very impressionable, and the younger they are, the more impressionable they seem to be. We all remember and feel a, a profound attachment to the practices, both religious and secular, of our parents and grandparents to which we were initially exposed as young children. In a fundamentally and impressionable manner, the melodies, poems, and sayings we heard in our youth and the rituals in which we participated as children remain anchors throughout our lives. We often repeat those rituals ourselves, and we find comfort when others engage in them. It is, therefore, readily understandable that all true believers seek to impose their true beliefs on the youngest among us. Um, Anyone who believes he is possessed of truth, whether he believes that this truth has been divinely divulged, a scientific revelation, or is a reflection of common sense, tends to have the desire to convince others of that truth. What better way to persuade than through the indoctrination of the young? 
What's his point? We teach our progeny our beliefs. We teach them what we hold dear. We want to teach them the truth. In Old Testament language, we want to train up a child in the way he should go so that when he's old, he won't depart. Whether you're Christian or not, that's your desire. And that is proven in spades in terms of the LGBTQ's desire to teach the next generation of children to embrace their ideology, i.e. their religion. Now, that was my paraphrase at the end. Let's get back to his article. Every faith and every philosophic tendency will see its adherents seek to bring the youngest into its fold. The family unit is usually the primary focus of such efforts. Legitimately, parents will endeavor to have their children learn the tenets of their religion and similar traditions and may even seek to persuade the young to adopt their political positions. The desire to have the next generation, your kids, your grandkids, carry on the family beliefs, whether of faith or other matters, is a powerful, powerful impetus in the education of children. Isn't that true? Why do we have government schools in the first place? The reason we have government schools, uh, public schools in the United States, is to do what? To teach the next generation how to be good citizens. At least that's what the schools were initially established to do. Even the private schools, Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, Yale, were established for that reason, to perpetuate what it meant to be a civil society, to be a new country, the United States of America. We knew that we had to educate the next generation to embrace a given set of values. Back to the article. History is also replete, however, with less legitimate efforts to persuade individuals, children, and adults to become followers of a religion or another set of beliefs through coercion. Through the ages, we have encountered examples of institutions and individuals seeking to impose their philosophies on the unwilling or the unaware. In the Middle Ages, for example, it was not uncommon to find clergy forcing groups who did not share the majority faith to sit through sermons intended to convert them. Conquering Europeans frequently sought to impose their faith, their predominantly Christian faith, on native populations, sometimes by force. We've got stories of this. Now, I don't like the assumption that the church always did that, and that the church is always evil in terms of the way it engaged um, indigenous populations here in the United States, for example. The church did a lot of good, too, by the way. The church wasn't always um, trying to force people into conversion. I think there was an effort to convince people of the virtues and the values of Christianity, and that's different than coercion. That said, let's get back to the article. To this day, there are parts of the world where individuals of all ages who do not adhere to the majority point of view are persecuted and can even be put to death uh, because of their beliefs or their refusal to believe, whether by reason of their heretical views or of their renunciation of certain views. In many parts of the globe, an individual's beliefs can still be a matter that could result in their death, their execution. We know that to be true in the Muslim world right now, for example. Back to the article. With our firmly ensconced Bill of Rights, which since the 18th century has been a barrier to government imposition of any single set of religious views or other beliefs, Americans have been generally immune to this kind of coercive conduct. And then, here's the kicker. Until now. Okay? So, what's his point? He set us up in the first part of the article for this point. Now, I want you to listen to it. We are now observing an unmitigated and unlimited attempt both in the public and private sector to influence and infuse our children with a philosophy that has all the attributes of a state-sponsored religion. Full stop. Standing ovation 
for Gerard Laval. Exactly. What we have right now is a state-sponsored religion. We do not have a public square devoid of religion. The void has been filled by a new religion, wokeism, climate change, global warming, COVID, LGBTQIA, CRT, BLM. These are all tenets of the new wokeism, the new religion of the United States of America. Okay, back to the article. So he's talking about a new state-sponsored religion. For reasons that are difficult to evaluate rationally, our children in schools across the nation are being subjected by teachers and administrators to attempts to convince them that gender is fluid and that gender changes are not only possible but even desirable. Long-held traditional values, including traditional marriage, are being demeaned and marginalized. You know that's true. The, the litmus test of whether or not you're a good human being right now in today's public schools is whether or not you buy into this false uh, religion, this religion of gender fluidity. And it's not just gender. I'm going to say it's the alphabet religion of wokeism. LGBTQIA, XYZ, BLM, SEL, CRT. And then add your initials to it. Add your initials for climate change. Add your initials for um, uh, COVID. Uh, whether you wear a mask or not, you're a, you're a good person or you're a bad person. You're, you're, you're virtuous or you're, you're not, simply because you do or don't wear a mask. That's where we are. This is a religious zeal that we're experiencing right now. And you're marginalized if you don't embrace and if you don't, if you don't convert, essentially. The enthusiasm, says Laval, with which teachers of children as young as five years of age uh, are attempting to indoctrinate their charges has all the fervor. Now, when he says their charges, he's talking about the children they're teaching. Indoctrinate their charges has all the fervor that was reserved for proselytizing clergy in the past. So true. The attempt to alter our children's perspectives is nothing let, less than an exercise in proselytization. Do you get that? The new priests, the high priests of our culture, in your public schools, your teachers, your administrators, and unfortunately, some of these high priests are now holding positions in your local corporations and on your city council. These high priests are just as guilty as proselytizing as any uh, Catholic priest or Protestant preacher in the past. And then Laval goes on and says this, And just as our Constitution protects each of us from the imposition of government-imposed uh, religious belief, so should we and our, our children be insulated from those who seek to impose their religious lifestyle and their perspective, their philosophy, their theology, their ontology, their religion on our children. We should be able to insulate and protect our children from those who wish to impose their religious lifestyle and perspective on our kids in public places and in our schools. Despite our great constitutional protections, says Laval, the exponents of wokest policies have created their own belief system and rituals which they seek to protect in the public square, in the public arena, such as schools and government agencies as they attempt to cajole, persuade, and convert all of our kids. And now these advocates have targeted our young. For example, drag queen performance is part of the ritual 
portion of the new gender religion have been increasingly found in the educational institutions across our country for our children in our public schools, private and public alike, libraries and theaters, and even in public parks. If this approach continues, says Laval, the wokest will have their seven years with our children. And then, remember he referred to seven years at the beginning of the article and how Catholics have always felt. They say it may, might go back to Ignatius of Loyola. Um, that Catholics have always felt that if you get a kid for seven years, he'll be Catholic for life. There's common sense to that. Common sense as well as science tells us that children are very impressionable. We know this both uh, biologically, physiologically, and psychologically. Child psychologists know that it's the early years where children are molded into what they will be as adults later on. And we know that even the physiology of the brain is highly malleable at that point in their life. So why do you see these drag queen advocates going after the youngest, five-year-olds, six-year-olds? They know. They know that if they can get these kids for their quote-unquote seven years, their first seven years of their lives, that they've got them for the rest of their lives. They can convert them. This is proselytizing at its worst. Back to Gerard Laval's concluding paragraph here. If this approach continues, the wokest will have their seven years with our children, and then those children will be converts for life to the ideas. Ideas have consequences. Good ideas, good culture, good community, good kids, good church, good government. Bad ideas, the opposite. Laval's talking about converting children for life to the ideas that are woke. That's what they're doing right now. That's why you see this dramatic shift in our culture that happened so fast. They indoctrinated your kids in these schools 10 years ago, and you didn't know it. You didn't know what was going on. When your kids were in elementary school, when they were watching Sesame Street, when they were watching Nickelodeon, they were being indoctrinated with this stuff. You weren't paying attention. You thought it didn't matter. You thought you could walk away and trust Disney. But you didn't even realize that the people that were behind the scenes at Disney were laughing at you. And we know that to be true right now. We've got recordings of it where they're admitting that they were inserting these ideas into the entertainment, into the music, into the cartoons, into the movies, into the educational curriculum. They were inserting these ideas of radical relativism, false tolerance, and zero desire to engage in a good, robust debate or argument. In other words, the cancel culture that's now upon us. When you saw this cry for safe spaces several years ago, when you saw college students crying in the campus green because somebody wore a Halloween costume that offended them, or a conservative speaker like Ben Shapiro or Dennis Prager, or even Dave Rubin, or even Adam Carolla, or even Bill Maher, and I'm not saying that Bill Maher is that conservative, but when Bill Maher is telling you, I'm not going to go to these college campuses and speak anymore because I'm tired of these whining and complaining, children that are offended by a joke. When you see Tim Allen and all of these comedians and others say, we've got a problem. And when you saw the news of one professor after another getting canceled, getting fired because they dared to challenge a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old with a different idea. You should have recognized that you got a problem. But the problem just didn't start there. It started years earlier in those first seven years, if you will. Back to that Catholic analogy.
where if you get the kid for the first seven years, he's going to be Catholic for life. Well, if you get the kid for the first seven years with L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-C-R-T-S-E-L-B-L-M, if you get the kid in alphabet wokeism for the first seven years, you've molded their mind. You've shaped their soul in a manner that is going to be difficult for even them to repent of and to get out of. It's a cult. It's a cult, pure and simple. You're allowing your children to be given the Kool-Aid of the Jones colony, and it's killing their hearts, their minds, and their souls. This article by Gerard Laval, go read it. And don't read it just for the fact that he's critical of the trans ideology and the drag queen nonsense that's going on in our culture. That's bad. You know that. I've covered it. But read it with an open mind and consider the other cultic realities that exist in the way your kids are being trained and educated right now, the way they're being catechized. Every child is going to be catechized. That's why we have education in the first place. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. you got to have something. Something is going to fill the vacuum. We've created this vacuum of radical relativism, of nihilism, but it doesn't sustain itself. That vacuum is being filled by wokeism right now. And if you don't recognize it and change it in the early years of your child's life, it's going to be difficult for them to ever recover. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.